Chapter 7 of The Slavery of Our Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew J. Heath Van Horn. The Slavery of Our Times by Leo Tolstoy. Translated by Almer Maud. Chapter 7 Culture or Freedom. Just what happened when serfdom existed is now being repeated. Then, the majority of the serf owners, and of people of the well-to-do classes, if they acknowledged the serf's position to be not quite satisfactory, yet recommended only such alterations as would not deprive the owners of what was essential to their profit. Now, people of the well-to-do classes, admitting that the position of the workers was not altogether satisfactory, propose for its amendment only such measures as will not deprive the well-to-do classes of their advantages. As well-disposed owners then spoke of paternal authority, and, like Gogol, advised owners to be kind to their serfs and to take care of them, but would not tolerate the idea of emancipation, considering it harmful and dangerous, just so the majority of well-to-do people today advise employers to look after the well-being of their workpeople, but do not admit the thought of any such alteration of the economic structure of life as would set the laborers quite free. And just as advanced liberals then, while considering serfdom to be an immutable arrangement, demanded that the government should limit the power of the owners, and sympathized with the serfs' agitation, so that the liberals of today, while considering the existing order immutable, demand the government should limit the powers of capitalists and manufacturers, and they sympathize with unions and strikes, and, in general, with the workers' agitation. And just as the most advanced men then demanded the emancipation of the serfs, but drew up a project which left the serfs dependent on private landowners, or fettered them with tributes and land taxes, so now the most advanced people demand the emancipation of the workmen from the power of the capitalists, the communalization of the means of production, but yet would leave the workers dependent on the present apportionment and division of labor, which, in their opinion, must remain unaltered. The teachings of economic science, which are adopted, though without close examination of their details, by all those of the well-to-do classes who consider themselves enlightened, and advanced, seem on a superficial examination to be liberal and even radical, containing as they do attacks on the wealthy classes of society, but essentially that teaching is in the highest degree conservative, gross and cruel. One way or another that the men of science, and in their train all the well-to-do classes, wish at all costs to maintain the present system of distribution and division of labor, which makes possible the production of that great quantity of goods which they make use of. The existing economic order is, by the men of science, and following them by all the well-to-do classes, called culture. And in this culture, railways, telegraphs, telephones, photographs, retigen rays, clinical hospitals, exhibitions, and chiefly, all the appliances of comfort, they see something so sacrosanct that they will not allow even a thought of alterations which might destroy it all, or but endanger a small part of these acquisitions. Everything may, according to the teachings of that science, be changed, except what it calls culture. But it becomes more and more evident that this culture can only exist while the workers are compelled to work. 
Yet men of science are so sure that this culture is the greatest of blessings that they boldly proclaim the contrary of what the jurists once said, fiat justitia periat mundus. They now say fiat cultura periat justitia. And they not only say it, but act accordingly. Everything may be changed, in practice and in theory, except culture, except all that is going on in workshops and factories, and especially what is being sold in the shops. But I think that enlightened people, professing the Christian law of brotherhood and love to one's neighbor, should say just the contrary. Electric lights and telephones and exhibitions are excellent, and so are all the pleasure gardens with concerts and performances, and all the cigars and matchboxes and braces and motor cars. But may they all go to perdition, and not they alone, but the railways and all the factory-made chintz stuffs and cloths in the world. If to produce them it is necessary that 99% of the people should remain in slavery, and perish by the thousands in factories needed for the production of these articles. If in order that London or Petersburg may be lighted by electricity, or in order to construct exhibition buildings, or in order that there may be beautiful paints, or in order to weave beautiful stuffs quickly and abundantly, it is necessary that even a very few lives should be destroyed or ruined or shortened and statistics show us how many are destroyed, let London and Petersburg rather be lit by gas or oil, let there be no exhibition, no paints or materials, only let there be no slavery and no destruction of human lives resulting from it. Truly enlightened people will always agree to go back to riding on horses and using pack horses and even to tilling the earth with sticks and their own hands rather than the travel on railways which regularly every year crush a number of people as is done in chicago merely because the proprietors of the railway find it more profitable to compensate the families of those killed than to build the line so that it should not kill people the motto for the truly enlightened people is not fiat cultura periat justitia but fiat justitia periat cultura but culture useful culture will not be destroyed it will certainly not be necessary for people to revert to tillage of the land with sticks or to lighting up with torches it is not for nothing that mankind in their slavery have achieved such great progress in technical matters if only it is understood that we must not sacrifice the lives of our brother men for our own pleasure it will be possible to apply technical improvements without destroying men's lives and to arrange life so as to profit by all those methods giving us control of nature that have been devised and that can be applied without keeping our brother men in slavery end of chapter seven recording by matthew j heath van horn